Welcome to the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast. I'm your host, Michael Whitehouse. It is my mission to show every person their true economic potential. Not just the money you can make, but your own ability to control your economic destiny and live the life you were meant for. I answer your questions and bring on guest hosts to share inspiring stories, teach valuable lessons, and offer a strategy or two. In the next half hour or so, I hope that you might learn something that could change your life. You are meant to live a good life, and I want to help you get there. Welcome to the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast. Our guest today is Carol Mahoney. She's another one of our fantastic speakers. It's going to be at Conference 21 on February 20th and 21st of this year. And she is going to be talking today and at Conference 21 about uh, some of what it takes to sell as an entrepreneur. If you are an entrepreneur, you are in sales. You may not want to be in sales. You may not like being in sales, but you've got to do it. One of the biggest challenges in entrepreneurship is the fact that you're not just selling, you're selling yourself. You're selling what you can do, what you can make, your own skills. And for the longest time, the reason why I didn't become a coach or a consultant was I knew I'd get into this downward spiral if I tried trying to sell myself. If I'm selling for someone else and they don't buy, well, it's not me. It's the product. It's the market. It's all these external factors. If I'm selling me and they don't buy, well, it's me they're not buying, and it may be me who's not selling well enough, or it may be me who's not presenting myself well enough, but ultimately, one way or another, it's me somewhere down the line that is not closing this deal, and it's hard to create that separation. And sure enough, even as a coach now, I have had some of those imposter syndrome moments, and uh, at one point during this interview, you'll actually hear me say that, uh, you know, it's kind of funny of you to come on my podcast and talk about me personally. I assure you, we did not talk about this ahead of time. It just happened to match me, and probably you in the audience will be thinking the same thing. It's being like, wow, Carol doesn't know me, and yet Carol really knows me. This is very eerily relevant to my life and personal experience. So I think you're going to get a lot out of this interview and a lot out of her talk at Conference 21. Without further ado, let me introduce to you Carol Mahoney. So we have Carol Mahoney of Unbound Growth with us. She is a sales behavioralist nerd. I love that uh, title. Uh, So Carol, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me here, Michael. Um, I have I think since my early days, been somewhat fascinated and maybe even obsessed with the idea behind why people do what they do or why people don't do the things that they know that they should do that are good for them. And so I've kind of channeled that into understanding what happens between buyers and sellers and in sales in general in organizations from entrepreneurs to scaling companies. Why are they not seeing the sales results? And it always comes back to the conversations and behaviors and the mindsets that either support or hinder those behaviors. So in short, I'm just fascinated with this species called humans. I, I'm quite quite a fan of them as well and find them quite <laughs> fascinating also. So I spend a lot of my time with humans. Um, so, so how'd you get into sales specifically and not, you know, sociology or anthropology or any other ways just you might study humans? Uh, I kind of got into sales kicking and screaming. Um, it actually, As most, of us yeah, do. most of us do. A lot of people, if you talk to them, they didn't set out to become salespeople. If you ask kids growing up, what do they want to be when they're grownups? I don't think you're going to hear very many excited voices saying, I want to be a salesperson. Yeah, it just doesn't happen. And so I didn't get into sales with the intention of going into sales. I actually got into sales uh, through marketing. I actually owned a lead generation agency. We specialized in inbound and digital marketing. And 
ironically that I started that company around the same time that we faced our last great global recession where the banking crisis was going on and the real estate market was crashing. The majority of people had either faced a layoff or knew someone that had. And I was one of those people. And I decided to start a lead generation agency because I saw how the internet was changing and disrupting the, the way we do business. And as I was working with clients, we did great things. We, we created more leads than they'd ever seen in their histories, uh, generating traffic on websites, but none of that was anything they could take to the bank because they still weren't increasing in sales. And mm. my mission was really to help small businesses and, and even solo enterprises and scaling startups to grow because that was what was going to create jobs. Now, at the time... I had two almost teenage sons in my house and I'm thinking, I really want them to have a job so they can move the heck out of my house. <laughs> and so that kind of became a driving force for me, especially when my oldest son looked at me one day and said, why should I go to college? There's not going to be any opportunities for me afterwards. That was like a gut punch mm -hmm. for me. Um, and so as I started seeing that this was happening with my clients, that they were getting these leads and we were doing this great work for them, but they weren't increasing their sales, I thought there's a bigger problem happening here. And in order to find out what was happening in sales, I also had to go through the process of facing some of my own sales demons, if you will, some of the beliefs and mindsets that I had about sales, you know, like Daniel Pink wrote in his book to sell as human seven out of 10 of us associate the word sales with something icky, slimy and sleazy. I, mm -hmm. I was one of those seven out of 10 people. And so the process that I had to go through in order to change my beliefs around sales, not only to save my marketing agency, but to help my clients to grow their businesses was nothing short of transformational. And I realized that in order for me to truly help these businesses to grow, to create jobs, I had to help them figure out how to sell to today's buyer. And as I started learning more about the psychology and how we make decisions and how we change behaviors, I realized that a lot of the ways that sales has been taught is very similar to what happened when the medical industry started to gain respectability in the 19th century. Like if you think about medicine back then, the doctors were seen as barbarians or con artists mm -hmm. or witch doctors. They didn't have the respectability that they might take for granted today. And the thing that happened was called the Renaissance. They started to use science and the scientific method and dissection to understand human anatomy and medicine so that they could get better results. And that gained respectability for the profession. And that is where I see sales today, is that we are in the Renaissance of changing how we teach sales and how we look at sales by applying psychology and science and data to understand why we're seeing what we're seeing instead of dumping more money into training. And one stat that I share with people with people that still kind of scares me is that in 2017, Harvard Business Review said that we spent $70 billion, billion in sales training. Yet a year later, CSO Insights said that in 2018, 54% of salespeople made quota for the fifth year in a row. So we keep dumping money into a problem and we're not fixing it. So for me, sales is about understanding the dynamic that happens between our heads and our behaviors as salespeople and being able to understand and empathize with buyers and understand how they make decisions so that we can help them solve problems, so that we can help them make decisions that are in their best interest. So when I say sales behavioralist nerd, 
that's really what I'm digging into is how do we get training to stick? How do we have sales to become more predictable? And how do we help salespeople gain respect in our professions? I think we have to dig into the mindsets and behaviors. And there's so much that's encompassing in that, that it seems a little overwhelming, I think, sometimes to people. But what it's really about is identifying small behavioral changes that we need to make over a period of time. And that is, that is essentially what I do on a day in and day out basis. And I love the understanding of this kind of side of human behavior. Now, I don't know about you, Michael, if you've ever seen it where you can have a conversation with someone in a social setting and it's comfortable. And then you get into a sales situation or a buying situation and that dynamic completely changes. And, it, I, it, and I, I was trying to avoid that, but I, I certainly know the phenomenon you're talking about. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and it's funny what, um, so I've been uh, coaching Harvard MBA students in sales. And the first year that we did it, when they were doing video uh, sort of role plays, they would get onto the video role play. Now, keep in mind, these are Harvard MBA students, some of the brightest minds in the world. And they mm -hmm. get into this role play and they sit down and they have this comfortable, easygoing kind of a conversation. Then as soon as they have to slip into their roles of buyer and seller, everything changes. And I see this happen in sales conversations every single day where there's these walls that are being put up because there's what's the intent and the agendas that are happening in the meeting and the understanding and exchange of value. There's a different context in having a social conversation than there is in a buying and selling conversation. Um, mm -hmm. And so when we dig into the behaviors, what we're really looking at is how do our beliefs and mindsets, how do those impact us in this context? So it's not just behavior like who you are as a person and your personality, but your context of having to perform particular activities and tasks. That's where things start to get tricky. Yeah. And and I, I can definitely see where, where with sales, it sometimes has that feeling of like, I'm coming to take your money mm -hmm. as opposed to I'm coming to solve your problem and maintaining that mindset. And I've, I've been found that myself is, is trying to remember that I'm coming, I'm coming to solve a problem and not I'm coming to, uh, to do something to you, but you know, I'm doing something for you. And that's a very important mindset shift. And I would even argue that the shift is even not so much uh, to you or for you, but with you, because that's one of the okay, biggest yep. complaints that I see buyers have is that they don't like to be talked to. They like to be collaborated with. And, mm -hmm. you know, um, there's a book that a friend of mine wrote, Doug Calvert, that's called Stop Selling, Start Leading. And it's about how some of the principles in leadership and what things that buyers are looking for in order to trust sellers are very much what we also instill in leadership in, in organizations of being able to collaborate, to ask questions, to understand the other person's perspective and what they think the best solution looks like. Um, there's a lot of actual science and psychology behind these dynamics in other realms, in healthcare and mental health. And they all apply to the sales context, I think, so that we're collaborating with people to help them reach a conclusion and a decision to solve a compelling problem that has consequences for them. That's what sales is about. Okay. That, that makes a lot of sense. That sounds really powerful. So we're going to take a quick break, um, during which I'm going to try to sell something, but in a non-confrontational sort of way. <laughs> and then we'll come back and get more great tips from Carol Mahoney. Conference 21, Conference 21, Conference 21. Wow, Michael, you're talking about Conference 21 a whole lot. Yes, I am. I am because it is very exciting. And I'm fully cognizant of the fact that somebody may be listening to this podcast months after February 2021. Fortunately, Conference 21 doesn't end 
in February. It's going to be going on. We're going to be building a community, not just the one-off event, but a series of events with a series of networking events in between them using state-of-the-art technology to make it feel like you're almost face-to-face. -face. Not exactly. Not messing around with VR helmets or anything like that. we got some really cool stuff going on. Go to conference21.com. It's only $21 for a membership. Check it out. Be there at the beginning and be part of this amazing Conference 21 community we are building. And now back to the interview with Carol Mahoney. And I'm back with Carol Mahoney. Uh, during the break, we were talking about entrepreneurs, because entrepreneurs are kind of a, a special case of salesperson. They're not just salespeople, but uh, pretty much every entrepreneur has a little bit of sales or a lot of sales in their job description if they were to write one down. Um, so talk a little bit about uh, how how this sales psychology applies to entrepreneurs and uh, the challenges that that they face. So I'm actually working on my first book right now, and it's on this very topic of how do entrepreneurs who sell, how is that different in some ways? Now, right now, what we're seeing in our economy is that, like I had mentioned earlier, when I got laid off from my job during the great global recession that was happening, we're seeing a repeat of that in some ways with this pandemic, where a lot of people who have been out of work are now starting their own side businesses or gigs or complete business. And one of the things that happens when you go from being a person, even if you were in a sales role before in a corporation, when you go into the realm of actually now you're selling yourself, you're selling your skill set, you're selling your ability to do something or your idea of something, whether it's technology or a product. And there are a lot of different things that happen to us when we start trying to sell ourselves. Even if you were successful in sales before selling something else or someone else, suddenly that dynamic gets increased in a tenfold. Um, things like the imposter syndrome start to take place where, you know, at what value do I really bring? What value do I really have? And we compare ourselves to others. And and even, you know, our level of confidence starts to starts to get beat up a little bit. And that makes it harder for us to be able to sell, to be able to stick to value. And also it makes it harder for us to have empathy with the people that we're trying to help because we're so focused, we're so wrapped up in what we're thinking and strategizing. In sales, we call this kind of the emotional involvement and the need for approval. And as entrepreneurs, that gets in our way when we're trying to ask questions, to uncover need, to uncover what they've tried already. We, we shy away from trying to get to people who are the ultimate decision makers of whether or not to solve this problem because, well, who are we to call on them? And so as entrepreneurs, it's, I would say, harder than for the average salesperson or seller or manager or leader in an organization in some ways because of this dynamic. And so really digging into understanding some things that'll help us to get through that is absolutely crucial for us, our sanity and our success going forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is right on. Yeah, where do you come on my podcast and talk about me personally? <laughs> uh, but I imagine that there's there's many that many people it applies to. I, and honestly, what what happened to me recently is I kind of ran into this, this downward spiral because, of course, I got into coaching because I want to help people. I want to think about them and their needs, solve their problems. But then money started getting a little tight. I started thinking about me. And the more I think about me, the less I can sell. Mm -hmm. Because now I'm now I'm coming to take your money, not to help you. Um, and, and my solution was to get a break by doing some side gigs, some easy, fun stuff uh, that would bring the money in so I could get back to focusing on helping them, helping the clients instead mm -hmm. of helping me. Um, but yeah, I totally the, you know, I... I was all gangbusters confident for a while. And then when, when I had some money issues, suddenly I'm like, wait, 
Who am I? Why am I a coach? Why am I doing this? How am I doing mm-hmm. this? So yeah, I completely know what you're talking about. I imagine probably a lot of people in the audience are being like, why are you talking? You don't even know me. Why are you talking about me on this podcast? <laughs> um, so, so what are the things, some of the things that uh, someone can do about that um, to, to turn that around? So whenever we look at a behavior that we need to change, and we're so right now we're talking about actually a, a behavior where our focus goes inward, where we focus on ourselves, uh, then in order to change that behavior, we have to understand the reason why we need to change it. So we have to identify what's my, what is the goal here that I'm trying to accomplish? Now, I know that I just said we need to take the focus off of ourselves, but in order to change the behavior, we've got to figure out what is the thing that is going to carry us through? What's the fire in our belly? What's the thing that's going to put our feet on the floor every morning? And you even shared it a little bit. I started to become a coach because I wanted to help people. Mm-hmm. I, I, for the same reason, when I had to confront my own mindsets and beliefs around certain sales things, I had to come to grips with what are my personally meaningful goals. Now, I don't think there's anyone out there who wouldn't say I need to get more clients and more customers so that I can feed my family, put my kids to school, uh, save for retirement, take a trip, whatever it might be. But what I'm really asking for is for you us to dig a little bit deeper as to why. You could read Simon Sinek's book about why there's tons of research out there that talks about why those personally intrinsic goals are so important. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But to find out what your why is, is not this uh, sudden moment of enlightenment. It's not this thing where you have to lock yourself away in a retreat for days on end to connect with your inner self. It's actually small steps that you can take every day. So the first step that I actually have people do is to think about them out loud. Think about the things that you want to accomplish in the next year and then ask yourself, why is that important to me? Talk to other people that are close to you in your household, your family, your close friends about these things. I'll give you an example. For me, I obviously always want to grow the business so that I can save for retirement and put my kids through school and all of the things that I listed. But the thing that's really important for me as a personal thing is that I want to be completely self-sufficient off the grid, solar panels. I've got 16 chickens in the yard so I can have eggs and organic gardens. I was raised in a family that was not only entrepreneurial, but that instilled in me the belief that you leave things better than you left it, especially in nature. You don't leave any mark. And that part of that means not, you know, filling landfills with trash, not polluting the environment. Those things are important to me. But in order to get solar panels and be off the grid, that costs money. And so I, for that reason, not only intrinsically want to help people, but I also, because I want to get off the grid, have things that I want to be able to do and accomplish that with helping people. So thinking about it, talking it about it out loud. And then the very next thing that I have people do is actually write those things down. And this is where the majority of people fall short. We all think about our goals. We might even think about why they're personally meaningful, but very few of us will actually write them down. And when I say write them down, it's write down the goal and why it's important, but then also write down things like what has stood in your way from achieving this before? What are some of the obstacles? What are some of the things that you're going to try to move through those obstacles? And where can you pull in help? And then once you've written those things down, then the next thing I have people do is start creating a system of accountability. Share it. Share it with the people that you've talked about, those written goals. Find a support group. Work with a coach that you will have someone that is going to not only keep you accountable, but is going to give you feedback. Because by giving you feedback, you can continuously improve. 
And that's why one of the last steps is reporting to these people on a regular basis to keep that accountability going. Because remember, these changes don't happen overnight. They happen in small steps throughout a period of time. But what happens is that we tend to fall off the wagon when we don't have someone there to help to keep us accountable. It's kind of of like losing weight. Uh, I lost 78 pounds during the pandemic and I didn't do it overnight and I didn't do it without help and I didn't do it without setting a goal and I didn't do it without taking the small decisions and steps every day to get there. We can do the same thing in sales. In fact, you'll probably have even greater results than losing 78 pounds. So that is really the first step. And it sets us up to start making what I call the breaking and replacing of the behavior chain. Because the beliefs that we have sometimes get in the way of us doing things. So first is to really understand what's going to motivate me to make these changes that I've sort of been ingrained in me in my entire life. It's not going to happen overnight. Yep. And this is, again, totally resonates with me because I, I, when I started the coaching, I, I got started because I found a coach who taught me a strategy that got me some clients. And I said, oh, I can do this. Great. And then I found another coach, taught me another strategy. Another coach taught me another strategy and a video taught me a strategy. And I learned a strategy and a strategy and a strategy. And each strategy I learned, I did worse hmm. because I got more unfocused. Hmm. And, you know, I, I'd be 20% done with with 30 things and none of them would get over the finish line. Um, and and that, that's why my group coaching program is now focused around accountability. Hmm. I mean, there's skills there. There's tactics. If someone needs help with getting their Facebook focused or whatever, we've we've got those resources. But the most important thing is is being that group to to check in. So you know, the, the key questions are: What did you do last week? What do you want to do next week? Um, you know, what what are the challenges and what resources do you need? Those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, because I I realize for myself that's what I need more than I don't need another lead generation strategy or another sales strategy. I need to stay focused on track to do the ones I've already got. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's huge. It is huge. And I think it's also one of the curses and blessings of being an entrepreneur is, you know, you might call it the bright, shiny object, the squirrel, the seeds of the seed, the mm-hmm. ball, you know, it's the next great thing that comes, comes across our desk because we're in it. We're always looking for the next disruption, the next new thing, the change. Like I, I personally believe that a lot of entrepreneurs have this need for embracing change because they thrive on it. I'm one of those people. And what happens though, you're right though, we do lose focus. One of the books that I'm reading right now that I encourage every entrepreneur out there to read is called deep work by Cal Newport. And it really addresses this need for distraction and how we accomplish the big things in our lives and our goals by focusing on deep work. And there are some great techniques in there, but it it explains the why this happens, but it also explains some of the steps that we can take to start doing this kind of work. And I think that's ultra important. And that's why one of the things that I work with entrepreneurs on is not so much time management as it is time prioritization. When we were talking about the goal setting piece of things and the accountability piece of things, a lot of what entrepreneurs and sellers and managers and sales leaders struggle with is I've got 24 hours in a day. What do I do with that time? That's going to get me closer to my goals and not be a distraction. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot of psychology and neuroscience behind the distractions of our day-to-day lives and how that impacts us not only in our productivity and our focus, but on our ability to learn even. And we are in a constant state of learning in this new economy that we have. So that's one of the things that we focus on as well. But I think the other thing that's really important that you also touched on when you're working with a coach, and this is how a lot of coaches work, but in sales, we're going to talk about it a little bit different because 
if you were to someone to ask you, what do you think your biggest weakness is? You would say, well, I think it's this. And if someone outside in your group would say, what do you think Michael's biggest weakness is? They may say something different. So who's right? And mm-hmm. the problem is, is that sometimes when we're asked what our biggest weaknesses are, we are sometimes subject to what's called the Dunning-Kruger effect. And if you're not familiar with that, it basically states that those with little experience or less experience tend to overinflate their strengths and underestimate their weaknesses. Psychologists call it the pinnacle of Mount Stupid. And those residents of Mount Stupid are completely confident, but they're completely incompetent. And it's not their fault. They just don't know what they don't know. And so when we're asked, what are your biggest weaknesses? We can be subject to that because we just don't know what we don't know. And so that's why it's important, especially when we're talking about sales and entrepreneurship, why I use an objective evaluation of our strengths and skills so that we can look at ourselves in the context of sales and understand this is why this keeps happening to me that I didn't realize before. And by doing that, by bringing that objectivity that's specific to that, we can start to combat some of those issues that we face with the Dunning-Kruger effect so that then when we are asked, what do you need to focus on this week? It's not our opinion or someone else's. It's based on data and science. And that creates this awareness. Now, here's the problem with that. If you go through a step like that, create this awareness, and you haven't set those personally meaningful goals on the onset, then something's probably going to likely happen where you're going to get information about your weaknesses and say, no, that's not me. That only happens because of this or that, or maybe I didn't answer right. And you'll find a reason to justify the the belief that you have of yourself. If you don't have a personally Mm -hmm. meaningful goal that will motivate you to do whatever it takes to look at and reassess whatever it takes in order to reach that goal. It actually will cause us to bridge the gap of what psychologists call cognitive dissonance, which is like imagine a broken bridge between where you are and where you want to be. And the thing that's in between is information about your reality. If you have a goal, it helps to bridge the gap. If you don't have a goal, you're going to stand on the other side yelling about how it's not fair, why you can't get across to the other side. (laughs) Very true. Yeah. And so that's why. So when we talk about behavioral psychology and how it applies to our behaviors, it's some of these things, these nuances that we don't even realize are affecting us on our day to day. And I believe that the more that we understand why these things happen to us, we can develop the strategies and the small techniques on a daily basis to start to change them. That makes a lot of sense. Definitely does. Yeah. And I, I definitely like what you said about, you know, personally meaningful goals. Cause I've, I've uh, rejected a number of coaches who are so fixated on, well, you, you got to set a goal of at least $20,000 a month. And I'm like, eh, I guess like, that sounds like a lot of money. Cool. Um, but, and, and and it took me the longest time to realize I'm not wrong to not want $20,000 a month. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's just not exciting. I want enough to pay my bills, maybe put a little bit away and then to be able to spend time with my family and help people. And, you know, if I can really work with people and help them and make $6,000 a month versus 20,000 and be making courses that make lots of money, but are dubiously helpful, mm-hmm. I'll make six all day long. And, you know, that's, yeah, that it took me a few months to really come around to that personally meaningful goals concept is is tremendous. That you need to make sure you need to make sure you're working for for things that you care yeah. about. And the and the fact of the matter is, like, I think a lot of people have the assumption that good sellers are motivated by money, and the analysis and the data actually tell a different story. It actually tells us that good sellers, the best sellers, 
the top 10%, the elite sellers, those are the ones that are more intrinsically driven. And by intrinsic, mm-hmm. I mean, they're driven to be the best. They're driven to be the best of something, the top of something, to master their craft. Those intrinsic kinds of goals, those are the ones that will propel them to continuously improve. Now, that, not that there is anything wrong with being motivated by money. Let me just put that out there because it helps you to accomplish things. Like I loved, I love to be able to make a lot of money because it helps me to do the things that like I mentioned before. It's a tool that allows me to give back to my community, to support my family and to live a lifestyle that I feel contributes and makes the world a better place. Now, mm-hmm. being motivated by money doesn't make you a bad person. It just makes you motivated by something different. It also means that your style of motivation should may also tell you what kind of sell or salesperson you might want to be. Because someone who is intrinsically driven will be able to handle a long sales cycle that involves a lot of complexity and collaboration because they'll have the patience to wait it out because they're driven by something intrinsic. Whereas someone who's motivated by something that is a little bit more transactional won't have that patience necessarily. And will struggle with a longer sales cycle because they want something to happen. So they might want to think about working or having something that they sell that is a shorter sales cycle that is a little bit more transactional. Maybe it's an online course or something that people can access that way. So it's just a matter of understanding your own motivational style and how that is going to impact the type of goals that you that are actually going to motivate you, that are going to set you up. That, that makes a lot of sense. So this has been a lot of really good information. Uh, and I imagine people are probably listening being like, how can I get more of Carol's advice? Are you you happen to be going to a virtual speakers conferences in the near future, maybe in February? I happen to be doing one that's coming up in February, I believe. Um, I think it's called Conference 21. Isn't that what it's called? I've heard of this Conference 21. I've heard very good things about it. I have it. as well. Isn't it like 26 uh, speakers in multiple countries all over the world? It is actually it's closer to thirty speakers. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, twenty, and but only twenty one dollars. It's less than a dollar a speaker. Hmm. So what a deal! Yeah, February twentieth and twenty first at conference twenty one dot com. Uh, and so what are you going to be talking about at Conference 21? Well, I'm going to be digging even more into what we've been talking about here. So we're going to talk about not only how do we set our personally meaningful goals, and I'll share a little bit more of my uh, amusing story with that in my journey that I think a lot of people will be able to understand and identify with now, but then also some real solid techniques and how do we continue to change that behavior? And I'll even dig into some of the most common behaviors that I see that people struggle with and give people some actionable insights and things that they can start trying that day, that night, an hour from now. So not only understanding the science and psychology, but here's an experiment that you can go and try so that you can then tell me how did it work out? I want to hear how these experiments go. So y'all come to my session. You're going to become some lab rats. It's going to be fun. That does sound pretty awesome. And how can people contact you otherwise? You have a website, Facebook? I do. So if you want to uh, go to my website at unboundgrowth.com, you'll see all kinds of resources there. We have a weekly blog where we do interviews and I do, you know, a couple of more video interviews like this. And we have a monthly newsletter. So if you want to be the first people to hear what we're going to be coming out with some actionable insights, that's definitely something you want to sign up for to be the first to know. Fantastic. That's unboundgrowth.com. Of course, that uh, address will be down in the show notes as well. Um, well, Carol, it's been great to have you on the show. I'm so excited. I'm, I'm having such a great time interviewing all the Conference 21 speakers because um, you all have such incredible things to say. And and I'm just excited we're going to be able to record all the presentations, so I'll get to watch all there of them you go. eventually. That's great. Um, 
Yeah, I think I'll spend the next weekend just watching all the ones I wasn't able to go to myself. So that's going to be uh, <laughs> going to be great. But yes, that's conference21.com in February where people can can connect you there or go to unboundgrowth.com to sign up for your monthly newsletter and get all the actionable insights right there. Well, thank you very much for having me on the show. It's been very educational and uh, great to have you. Thank you so much for having me, Michael. I keep saying this, but it keeps being true. I am so excited about all the people we are working with here at Conference 21. We have an amazing array of speakers with fantastic knowledge and just show so much to share with us, so much we're going to learn from them, uh, so many connections we're going to make. It's just going to be absolutely incredible. If you don't have your membership yet, go to conference21.com. It is only $21 to attend the conference. This is a two-day conference. Saturday, February 20th, and Sunday, February 21st, with a networking event on February 19th, and three other networking events leading up to it on January 25th, January 29th, and February 5th. So you do not want to miss out on this. This is very exciting stuff. It's a very exciting event. I am really excited to see where it's going to go, because it it almost came together on a lark. I said, you know what? 2020, hating 2020 is pretty popular. Let's run an event called Conference 21. It's all about it not being 2020. Well, as 2021 has started, it's not getting that much better reputation as a year, as a number. But it doesn't matter because Conference 21 is going to be an amazing opportunity to really find the silver lining on this very challenging cloud that we're passing through. It's all about coming together. One of the biggest issues with COVID, with the quarantine, even with the politics, is how much it separated people. And Conference 21 is all about bringing people together in exciting new ways, and in ways that are never possible before. You'll get to connect to people from all over the country, all over the world, learn new ideas, make new connections, new collaborations. There's so much good that's going to come out of this event. I don't want to say Conference 21 is going to change the world, but Conference 21 is going to change the world in a small way, not a huge way, but a small way. It could certainly change the world for you. So I hope you'll check it out. Conference21.com, only $21 for your membership. And I look forward to seeing you there. Conference21.com. This is the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast with Michael Whitehouse. Segment introductions by Rowan Whitehouse. Our theme song is composed by Patrick Howard of Four Unicorns Design. Other music was Bits and Bites by Klaus Appel and Summer Ambient Piano by Raphael Crook of filmmusic.io. Find us on the web at www.guywhoknowsaguy.com. Questions can be submitted in written form or as an audio file to michael at guywhoknowsaguy.com. If you've enjoyed this show, please subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. You can also follow The Guy Who Knows a Guy on Facebook at facebook.com slash theguywhoknowsaguy. If you know someone who may enjoy this episode or the podcast as a whole, we welcome you to share our links with them. Thanks. I'll see you next week. JV Connect is coming up quick, December 12th and 13th. If you are looking for a networking event where you can meet people who aren't looking to just pitch you or take, but actually want to collaborate, build strategic partnerships, joint ventures, maybe even find some mentors, some coaches, people to support you, accountability partners, who knows? If you're looking for good people in an environment that's not stressful, but is set up to give you a lot of great connections in an efficient amount of time, check out JV Connect, jv-connect.com. Dot com. That's jv-connect.com, December 12th and 13th, 2023. We'll see you there.